As many of you are aware, I have five kids, and a comedian once was asked, wow, what is it like to raise five kids? And he said, well, imagine you're in a pool drowning, and somebody hands you a baby. That's what it's like. And, uh, and you know, hey, I can, I can attest to that. It is, yes, difficult at times. At times, it's very uh, awesome. At times, there's, there's, there's ups, there's downs, there's all kinds of things that come. But one thing that seems to be fairly constant, and what's interesting is after first service, I actually had an older adult come to me and say that their older son uh, was just yesterday questioning, sending texts, asking questions, and, uh, and wondering about certain things. And I'm like, hey, I can identify because when I first got married, uh, my wife and I, we were in uh, the college living dorms area and, and married housing, and I had a grill, and I called my dad. This was before cell phones and texting and all that, so I actually had to make a phone call. Uh, I called my dad, and I'm like, dad, uh, I'm grilling chicken. How long do you leave it on a side? And he's like, well, I, you know, probably about X amount of minutes. I looked at my watch. I had left it on high. I didn't know. I had turned it on high. I had opened the gas level all the way up. And I walked out of the back door, and my entire, my entire, the, the entire thing is in flames. Absolutely in flames. And the chicken is just dark. I mean, it is toast. And I'm just like, uh, Dad... I think I left it on a little too long. It's like, you didn't even turn it down low? No. You didn't flip it over? No, Dad, I left it in there. It's been in there for 20 minutes. And, and now the glass has exploded out of the front end of this grill. And he's like, wow, you're lucky. And I'm like, thanks, Dad. Um, questions. We, we all have questions. And if you think about it, what's the number one questions kids ask? It starts with, why? Why? Why, Daddy? Why, Mom? Why, why, why? All of these questions. And you know what's interesting is, is as a parent, we don't want to invalidate our kids. We, we don't want to put our kids down. We, we want to try to answer them, even though some of their questions at times are crazy and, and maybe even impossible to answer. We still try to find an answer, and we still try to find a way to help them understand. You know, God's, God's the same way. God, God's the same way with us. I, I, I love, my dad used to always say, the only bad question is a question not asked. And, and you know, again, my dad was not trying to make the point that, that somehow that every question is a good question. Um, that's not it. But what his point was is you need to ask. If you have a question, Ask. If you're wondering about something, ask. Don't go all through life with a head full of unanswered questions because there's answers that can be found if you're willing to ask. And I'm so thankful that we have a God in heaven who is not willing to put us down, not willing to shame us, not willing to, to guilt us into something. He wants to genuinely answer our questions and genuinely help us to come to understand. But what we must understand is like my dad used to always say to me, son, there's answers for your questions. Ask them. But here's the thing that you need to be prepared for is, is that you may not like the answer. You may not like the answer. You may not understand the answer. There may not be an answer. 
And, and I think in relationship to God, God is doing the same thing with us. And, and, we, and let's just be honest. There's things that we just don't understand, nor will we ever. One for me is, is when I think about God, there's 8 billion people on this planet all 8 billion of us at the exact same moment could all pray. God could hear every single one of our prayers and answer every single one of them individually, all at the exact same time. Does that, does that not blow you away? Like, I, I, when I think about that, I'm like, I get distracted by two people talking to me. Anybody else? Like, I, I mean, it's just, you know, but 8 billion. And God can answer all 8 billion according to their need in that moment. That blows me away. We, we just sang about the Trinity. God in three persons. I, I don't know if, if you can wrap your mind around that, but I can't. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all operating as one. I, I, I don't understand that. Now, we like to try to make little things like, oh, it's like the egg or it's like the whatever. No, it's not. God is so far beyond that. I'll never be able to wrap my mind around the Trinity. But what do I do? I trust him. I say, okay, Dad, I don't understand that. I don't get it. But, Father, I'm going to trust you that what you say is true. All of us have questions. And it's interesting, in a a recent poll, in a recent study done uh, by the Barna Group, and, and they were they were asking people that were leaving the church, why are you leaving? One of the number one reasons why they're leaving the church is because of unanswered questions. Or they were made to feel ignorant, or they were guilt-tripped, or they were shamed because of the questions that they were asking. Listen, here's what I believe. I believe that the church should be the best place for people to ask questions. This should be the place where it's safe. This should be the place where people can come and ask questions, not not just right here in church, but to us as the church, if we're going to be the church every day, everywhere, if we're going to ask the question, how's your soul, then then we've got to be ready for the questions that are going to come our way. And are we willing to listen? Are we willing to respond? Are we willing to, to, instead of speaking all the time, are we willing to be, like the Bible says, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger? Does anybody else get that mixed up? Does anybody else, or am I just the only one that's quick to speak, quick to anger, and slow to, to listen? And someone has said once, we've been given two ears and one mouth, so we should listen Twice as much as we talk. Anybody else struggle with that? Don't raise your hand. I struggle with that. I struggle with that. And yet, that's what we as God's people, those who know Jesus, who have a relationship with him, who love him, and who love his word, that's why I'm so thankful for my dad. Because my dad, on on multiple times, we would be driving in a truck, driving out to our dairy farm to do milking from 10 o'clock at night till 6 o'clock in the morning. And my dad would be like, hey, you got any questions? And then he would ask me about certain topics. Especially as a teenage boy getting asked about certain topics. You know what I'm talking about? He's like, so, son, you got any questions for me? I'm like, dad, that's weird. I don't want to ask you. 
But I'm so thankful that he kept asking because where else I'm going to go find the answer. And at that time, we didn't have Google and we didn't have all that kind of stuff. We didn't have, you know, any of that social media stuff. But now imagine today, people are going to those places to find answers. Why would we not want them to come to church to be a part of of us as the church and ask questions of us and we'd be willing to listen, that we'd be willing to seek answers, but we also have to be willing to go, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I'm willing to seek the answer. I'm willing to ask God the answer. Why? Because God is the one who is the author and creator of all of life, of our faith. Why would I, would I not want to go and ask him? And so we believe that he has the answer. We believe that his answer isn't just, and his answers for our questions aren't just to appease our intellect, but they're actually for our good, for our best. And so why wouldn't we want people to ask those questions? And so I want to challenge us today to be thinking about that as we are, we are striving to be the church every day, everywhere, as we are asking this question of people, how's their soul? We must be a people who are a place where individuals can come and they can ask questions and they can find answers and they can find listening, caring, loving people. Would you turn, if you would, to John chapter 20? John chapter 20. I want us to look at a person's life in particular who asked questions of Jesus. And I want us to look in particular at how Jesus responds to this individual and then how that can apply to us in our lives because the truth is all of us have questions. All of us have questions. All of us have whys. All of us have wonderings. All of us have potentially even some doubts that we're struggling with. So we need to be able to ask. And I love, I love what John writes in John 20. And, and what's happening here is that Jesus has risen from the grave. It's Resurrection Sunday. It is the day Jesus arose from the grave. He's appearing to different individuals. And uh, in verse 19, we find him appearing to his disciples. On the evening, verse 19 of chapter 20 in John, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. So imagine this, they're in a room, doors are locked because they are afraid of the Jews. They're afraid of what's happening in their culture. They're afraid of what could happen to them because of being followers of Jesus. In that moment, notice verse 19, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Shalom. Peace be with you. Verse 20, when he had said this, notice this, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and he showed him he showed them his side notice the next verse then the disciples were glad when they saw the lord 
I, I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not, but, but they did not recognize, it didn't, doesn't say that they immediately recognized that it was Jesus. Jesus came in and he, he just showed up among them. And he even spoke to them, but notice it wasn't until after he showed them his hands and his side that then they saw that it was the Lord. And Jesus, once again, verse 21, says to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And he has some more conversation with them. For whatever reason, the character that we're looking at today, Thomas, was not there. There's lots, I mean, you read in commentaries, and there are so many different speculations of why he wasn't there which is pretty hilarious because the Bible doesn't say why he wasn't there. He just wasn't there. Um, and uh, notice what it says, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin. Maybe your Bible says Didymus. That, that means twin. Was not with them when Jesus came. So now Jesus obviously has exited the room. He's not there anymore. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and then this kind of gets gross, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, now, many people, theologians, commentators, put on Thomas. You ever ever heard what, what, what they call him? Doubting Thomas, which I don't honestly think is very fair. I, I think it's a mis, misnaming of who he is. Yes, maybe he is skeptic. Yes, maybe he has some wonderings and doubts. Maybe, though, he has had all of his life people letting him down, saying yes, to, saying something that they were going to do for him, and then they didn't do it. And Jesus had taught Thomas like he did all the other disciples, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. But Thomas is going, you know what, I'm not sure. I mean, I know that's what Jesus said and I know he loves me and I know I love him, but I'm, I'm not sure that you guys, okay, you say you saw Jesus, but I've, been, I've had a lot of people tell me a lot of things over my lifetime and they didn't come true. Maybe that's more like it for him. But he said, he said, no, I've got to see that nail prints. I've got to see his side. And I, not only do I got to see it, I got to touch it. And, and so he has this conversation with his disciples. Not Jesus, with the disciples that are there. And he says, I will never believe. What happens? Interesting, Jesus didn't immediately show up. Notice verse 26. Eight days later. Eight days later. His disciples were inside again. Thomas, this time, was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus once again came, stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, remember what Thomas' conditions were? I've got a see." And I got to place my finger in, in, in the nail prints and my hand in his side. I got to see and I got to touch. 
Those were his words. As far as we know, none of the disciples talked and told Jesus what Thomas said. But isn't it awesome that the God of the universe, Jesus, knows Thomas's heart? And he comes to him and he says, put your finger here, see my hands, put your hand out and place it in my side. Notice Jesus doesn't condemn him. Jesus doesn't shame him. Jesus doesn't throw guilt on him. Jesus doesn't make him feel inferior for the way he is reacting to what's going on. Jesus lovingly, kindly, gently talks to him. And and I love what Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. For some of us in this room, myself included, we need to memorize that verse. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And, and you know what? This isn't the first time this has happened. Go over to the left in your Bible to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, telling them about the fact that he's going to die and that he's going to prepare a place for them, and he's going to come back and take them to be where he is. Verse 4, you know the way to where I'm going, Jesus said. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Notice Jesus in his response to him. He doesn't say to him, dude, where have you been? Like, are you, are you, are, is something going on? Are you, what, what has happened? Did you miss out on my teachings about heaven? All those times that I've been talking to you guys about heaven and about the fact that I'm going to die and all these, were, were you just like, were you absent on those days? What, were you not paying attention? What is going on with you, Thomas? No, he, he doesn't respond to him that way. Notice what he says. He says to him, he says to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then, and then he does what he does in the other chapter. He challenges Thomas to something better, to something bigger, to something more. It wasn't just about listening to Thomas. It wasn't just about answering his questions, but he also challenges him to something a little bit more, a little bit bigger. So if you would, go back to John 20. And notice verse 27. Notice what he says. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Do not disbelieve, but believe. When you study that in the original language, what Jesus is saying to him is, Thomas, you're walking down a road that's leading you to live a life of disbelief. A life of of doubt. A life of questions. Don't go down that road. Thomas, don't be disbelieving. Be believing. Isn't it interesting that I I love what Paul writes in Philippians or in Romans. He He says, the kindness of God brings about the repentance, or the kindness of God brings about repentance. 
Not the wrath of God, not the anger of God. No, the kindness of God brings about repentance. What does repentance mean? A change of mind. So what, what does Jesus do? What is he, in, in relationship to Thomas, Thomas is asking these questions. Thomas is putting down these, these different parameters for believing. And Jesus gently and, and yet firmly challenges Thomas. And notice Thomas's response. Notice Thomas's response. Verse 28. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. See, I wonder if, if Thomas had, or if Jesus had answered Thomas in any other way. If he, had, if he had gone all at him and was making him feel belittled and, and shamed and, and all these other kinds of emotions that are negative, that are not from God. If, if Jesus had that approach with Thomas, do you think Thomas's response would have been, My God, my Lord. I don't think so. I don't believe so. And yet, his response is, my God and my Lord, here's my life. I'm laying down everything for you. I'm going to follow you. I am, I believe in you, Jesus. I love you. In those four little words, he is just laying it out. God, I am all in. I'm all in. And, and I love I love what Jesus goes on to say. He says to him, and he says to all of us, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What is the the outcome of believing? Blessed. That word blessed, it means happy. And, And it's not a go lucky sort of skipping along the yellow brick road sort of happy, uh, smile on your face all the time. It is an inner joy that comes from a supernatural relationship with God himself. And, and he is saying, if you are about believing in your life, and especially for all of us, because I, I have not yet ever met someone who has literally seen Jesus, or, or literally seen God, but we see the effects of God. We see the effects of Jesus. We see the effects of, and we feel the effects of, the Holy Spirit. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Happiness. I was talking to a guy just the other day. We were, we were having coffee, and he was sharing with me about his life story and, and how at the beginning of his life and really all the way into his 40s, he was living for himself, doing his thing. Yes, he was having fun. Yes, he was, he was enjoying certain aspects of life. But as he talked, he realized more and more, he was like, I would just come home and feel empty and feel lonely and feel destitute, and, and I was sad. And he said, I, yes, I was doing what I wanted to do. I was going my own direction, and I wasn't following after God, and I wasn't believing in Jesus at all. And he said, and then, and then I met Jesus, and Jesus changed everything in my life. And, and now he's in his 50s, and he's like, and now I can say to you, there is so much joy in my life serving God. Yes, not everything's going great. Not everything's the way I wish it was. I wish I had this. I wish, I wish things were differently in this. But 
I am trusting God. I am following after him. And you know what? His life is a testament of this verse. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There's a joy. There's a joy in believing in Jesus even when I don't understand it. There's a joy in believing in Jesus even when I don't like the answer that God gives. There's a joy that comes in following Jesus Christ. And, and the beauty of that is, and Peter even writes about it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened to Thomas after this. As far as we know, the Bible doesn't say anything about what happened with Thomas's life. But Christian tradition and Christian historians say that Thomas left and he went to serve Jesus in Asia, specifically in India. And he was in the country of India serving the Lord, telling others the good news of the gospel, and he faithfully served his life until he was martyred. And uh, he was martyred by spears. I can't imagine dying like that. But he, he, my God, my Lord, I'm going to live for you no matter what. And I, I find it amazing that he went to Asia, perhaps one of the places in the world where there is so many questions. Because, because again, I, I've been to India, and uh, amazing country, amazing people, but the Bible has not been present there for thousands of years. And, and so, questions. Lots of questions. And so, Thomas goes to India to be an example of Jesus to the people that he's come in contact with what an amazing thing what an incredible thing that God does in and through our lives as we're willing to surrender to him as we're willing to ask questions as we're willing to let him answer as we're willing to follow him so here's the thing you too can make a difference in the life of others around you the question is and the question I want to ask you is are you willing to take the time to listen are you willing to take the time to find answers? Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I, I have questions. I need to ask those questions. Well, I, I want to encourage you. We're actually going to go into a new sermon series that I'm entitling uh, Burning Questions. And uh, what it's going to be about is the questions that you all ask. We're not having an open mic, not doing that mess. Uh, but we are, we are, we are going to let you submit your questions. So if you've got a question, uh, right up here on the screen is going to be a QR code. You can scan that right now with your phone, uh, or you can go to our website or on, uh, on the uh, church app, and, uh, and you can submit your questions. And it can be a question about anything. Uh, after first service, I had several people that asked some really interesting questions. I'm looking forward to diving into those. I got to be honest, I'm a little nervous um, just because uh, there's some stuff that, that people may ask. So I'm just going, oh boy. Um, but it can be fun questions. Like, for example, uh, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, it, there is a lot of theological debate about whether or not Adam and Eve had belly buttons. I'm just saying. So maybe, maybe you're, you're, you got a question like that. 
Kids, teenagers, same thing. You guys get your phones out, use your parents' phone, whatever, uh, and ask the questions. And what we're going to do is we're going to compile those, and then over the next several weeks, we're going to strive to try to answer those questions. Now, here's what you need to understand. I am not going to answer the questions according to what PJ thinks. I'm going to answer the questions according to what does the Bible say. And I'll be honest with you. If there's not an answer that I can find, I'll say, I don't know. I'm not sure what the answer is. And, and, and again, um, what we're going to strive to do is, is strive to answer those questions according to what does the Bible say uh, about them. Now, please understand, we're gonna, we, we have already gotten a bunch. I'm anticipating a bunch more. We may have to group some of those together and, and ask them in a way that, uh, that changes it a little bit, but, but we're really going to try to stay true to what you're asking, okay? Because we may have somebody that asks something, a question about the belly button thing, um, and, and maybe you ask it this way and somebody else asks it, ask it a different way, but it's about the same subject, all right? You understand what I'm saying? Um, otherwise, we could be here for a year probably answering questions, and that's okay too. Um, but that's what we're going to strive to do, and we want you to get involved so please submit your questions, and they can be about anything, anything. Stuff that's going on in culture, uh, stuff that maybe future stuff, belly button stuff, whatever. Um, feel free to ask. Um, like my dad used to say, the only bad question is a question not asked. So ask your questions, and, uh, and we're going to strive to try to answer those over the next several weeks. So uh, starting a new series, Burning Questions, my desire with it is, our desire with it is, is that it could be a tool for you uh, to use to answer your questions, but also a tool that you can use to help answer other people's questions. What I would encourage you to do is go to work, go to school, go to wherever, hang out with some people. Maybe you're at a family reunion, or maybe you're, you know, shooting off fireworks, um, that kind of thing, uh, tonight, and, or tomorrow, or whatever day, and you just were like, hey, what are some questions you got about God in the Bible? Ask them. Submit them. Um, and, uh, and, and we'll try our best to, uh, again, take them to the Bible and uh, ask God to answer those questions. Um, I will tell you this. I'm going to be giving you guys also resources that uh, can help, and uh, one of I think one of the greatest resources in this area, besides obviously the Bible, um, is, a, is a resource that's called Got Questions. Uh, gotquestions.org. They actually have uh, a, um, a, an app that you can get on your phone. Amazing, amazing resource. And I can tell you this, every answer they give is absolutely loaded with Scripture, um, with the Word of God. So, um, and they go, I mean, there's thousands of questions in that, on that website and uh, throughout that app. So gotquestions.org, encourage you guys to download that uh, and check it out. Um, again, ask yourself, am I willing? Am I willing, as a representative of the church, as the church, am I willing to listen to others' questions? Am I willing to find answers? Am I willing myself to ask the questions that I need to find answers for. I want to encourage you, do that. Do that this week. Do that over the next several weeks, and we look forward to what God's going to do uh, in our hearts and our souls. Hey, would you close your eyes, bow your head? Again, God knows your heart.
He knows your soul. He knows what's going on in your mind. He loves you. cares about you. He wants to answer those questions you have. Why? Because he loves you. Maybe you're here today and you're going, you know, I, I just, I really sense I need someone to pray for me. Up here at the front, we're going to have some individuals that will be down here to pray with you. At the back, there will be some individuals that are willing to pray with you as well. These individuals are people that are on staff at Harvest Time or they're deacons at Harvest Time or a part of uh, Stephen's ministry. And so um, they're here for you to pray with. And it can be about anything. And honestly, as, as a church, there is no room here for judgment or shame or guilt at all. That's not the purpose of this at all. What we want to do is just pray for you. And if somebody does do that, that's their problem between them and God. Um, That's not us as a culture. That's not what we want. So when we start to sing and we stand in just a little bit and you're feeling like, man, I really need somebody to pray for me. Um, Like I said, there's people down here at the front. There's people at the back. And we encourage you to to go and and, and have someone pray for you. Maybe you're feeling a nudge by the Holy Spirit. You're sitting next to somebody and you're feeling the Holy Spirit nudge you and say to you, talk to that person. Pray for them. Ask them their name, whatever. Talk to them and pray for them. And and I would encourage you to do that. That's being the church every day, everywhere, right here in this time, this space. I don't know. I know lots of people have lots of needs and that's Okay. God's fully aware of what's going on in your life. Maybe you're here today, though, and you don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with Christ, and you know it. There's an emptiness in your heart, just sadness in your soul, and you realize, you know what? I'm not happy because I'm not believing. I need to be believing. You can, right there where you're sitting, you can put your faith and trust in Jesus. Someone next to you could answer a question for you, or one of us down here at the back could answer a question for you in light of that. So, As we sing, as we seek the Lord, we talk about his faithfulness, we sing about his faithfulness. Let's be faithful to just be the church today in this moment.